0: How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke, and I'm Jake, and you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode sixty-six. Sixty-six. That's correct. Double
1: six. Oh, so Zeke, there's a reason you struggled just then.
0: Yeah, this was supposed to be a great time. Everyone's supposed to be rejoicing. It's supposed to be happy. I would be <laughs> returning from my travels to the honky from the honky tonk honky tonk town. town. Uh, But obviously circumstances of the world that we joked about on previous weeks (laughs) in pre-recordings have led
1: us to this point. Right, so um, if you jump in on this episode randomly, the last four weeks we did pre-records, assuming that Zeke would be in Honky Tonk Town. Um, visiting the love of his life, dare I say? Whoa,
0: that is and, um, that is going to look really bad if. Uh, all <laughs> that, right, well, that doesn't pan out. Don't well. tune into episode sixty six. <laughs> <laughs> sixty
1: six for a reason. Mm. No, no I do. I do love her. I do love her, but uh, circumstances have forebode you from heading to the United States. Yeah. In, in March and April of twenty twenty.
0: Probably twenty twenty period. Yeah, the way the world's gone. But exactly. Uh, you know, it's okay. She can just have to, she'll just have to tune in weekly because obviously we don't talk outside of this podcast. So. <laughs> it's your
1: communication beacon. It's exclusively this podcast. Yeah,
0: she just tunes into this podcast. There is no outside communication uh, between us.
1: Yeah, Web 2.0. What is that?
0: She's, she's going to play a part in the films that we have watched over this period of time. Though, oh, cool. Because, cool. Okay. Um, she has had a mixture of recommendations plus uh, co stream watching, which nice. is probably a point of conversation in today's world co-stream watching there has been a
1: yeah i mean a lot of people have adopted the party netflix streaming sort of thing or... so
0: yeah yeah I'm, there's a lot of zoom memes out there mm. um i feel like i'm getting slowly more cultured in the meme culture due to this uh period yeah
1: i sent you meme. i made memes out of my own films the other day you did the dancing the dancing funeral meme It's is amazing yeah.
0: But most, like <laughs> uh, any good podcast, we weren't going to let this stop us.
1: Um, yeah, so even though you weren't able to go to America, it was weirdly convenient that those pre-records landed amongst some of the worst weeks in Australia for the lockdown. Yes. So this is our first time. We haven't seen each other in weeks, Zeke. Yes. It's um, weird. We are adhering, obviously,
0: to the guidelines that have been provided by our government. Um, I can't hug you, Keeping. Zeke. Keeping social distancing, everyone should be staying home and, uh, having fun with each other over Facebook calls, which, uh, our friend group has been adopting
1: the mentality Uh, for sure.
0: But, um, yeah, this is the first time we have seen each other in probably a month. Wow. That is insane. To go from. That's
1: unsettling. (laughs) That
0: is true, but we're here and we're ready to talk about some movies.
1: Yeah, lots of movies. Well, we have several weeks' worth of films we watched. So, Zeke, I want to pitch you something. Yes. Because I don't want us to sit here for two or three hours talking about all the movies we caught up on. I mean, we can get into some specifics mm. after, but what I want to do... I this wanna... is the
0: Rhodes show edition of the show, too. So, uh, yeah, hence so we
1: probably slightly different-sounding
0: show, That's but we can point. drink on this show. And, it's true. We can drink on the show, um, and that's pretty great for me because <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of my
1: isolation time. Uh, um, yes, yeah, so we're actually trying out a new audio setup. We're using the Stadium USB Kit mics. Yes, um, which are cool little things, less than two hundred dollars each at JB, and um, so I bought a few. And now we're gonna we're gonna. This is our first time testing them out, so hopefully, it sounds really great.
0: Yes. Um. Yeah. For uh. Obviously, before we move into your pitch, uh, Jake, yeah. I would just like to point out, uh, as I'm looking at this right now, the last time you and I were together talking about films together- Would have been The Invisible uh, Man, correct? It would have been The Invisible Man. And I'm looking at the the films, we haven't seen each other since, literally, yeah, the like the 16th, 17th of March. Wow.
1: Um, That's insane. So, yeah, over a month. Yes. That's insane. So. And this episode, of course, comes out on April 20th, 2020. Yeah. So everyone, sure. everyone, everyone get your smoke on. Yeah.
0: We're actually getting high on this episode. <laughs> um, as well as drinking, yes. Yes, exactly. But uh, okay, Jake, pitch
1: us, pitch <laughs> right, us this So idea. my pitch is, let's open up our letterboxes, Zeke. Okay. Because, of course, if you're following either of us on Letterboxd, you know, we log every film we watch. Yes. And uh, I want us to stalk each other's diaries. And okay. I want so I'm right now I'm in well that's my diary. I need to go into your diary. Uh, let's okay. see. Jake's followers. There you are. Oh, you follow me, Zeke. That's I just, I, I so do. Sweet.
0: Um it'd be a little weird
1: if I didn't <laughs> I think. Um, uh It happens sometimes, you know. You're like, Oh, what happened? You're right, So we're gonna go to those numbers around the sixteenth, seventeenth of March era. Yes. And uh we're gonna talk and we're, we're gonna have to try and decipher films like you're probably gonna see Francis Ha and mine, even though we sort of dabbled in that on the, the Ladybird episode. So we're gonna to have to go figure, filter that out. Yeah, and... I filtered that's
0: sort of where I went off. You'll see I think literally the last two films around that period that we both watched were Jersey Boys and Francis Ha. So um which oh, yeah, were of course you've seen it too, right? Episode sixty four and sixty five. There you respectively. go. Respectively.
1: Beautiful. So it all it's all rounded back. You know what good it is to not have to do all the math again? Mm. recording all these pre-records amongst the normal weeks. It's, yeah, it's, it's just
0: nice. nice to go back to a
1: normal uh, normal schedule. Normal really. schedule, yeah. All right, so you're on my diary. I am. I'm on your diary. So we're basically going to, I don't want to say call each other out, but basically we're going to go through each other's diaries and you're going to say, hey, Jake, what did you think of this film? Okay. And then I'm going to be like, oh, this is a random film on your list. So I want to ask you about that. Oh, so. you're going to find a few on there. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> a few random picks. I like so them. I'm finding I'm,
0: I'm 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 assuming you would like me to go first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay.
1: Uh, what do you want to tackle? So
0: it looks like you've knocked off a couple of really big blacklist films. Mm, absolutely. Um, films that generally most average viewers would have watched already, but you have not gotten around to. Mm. Uh, first one I see is the Notebook.
1: Right. Yeah, I saw the Notebook recently. I have still not seen it, mm. but uh, judging by your lukewarm score. Yeah, I think it was... I compared it a lot to Titanic mm-hmm. in terms of the large-scale... Um, I almost said open world. I've played a lot of video games lately. But, <laughs> but just in terms of the large-scale love story that spans decades. And I mean, Titanic doesn't do that. It doesn't span decades. But yes. it is an epic sort of three-hour film with a love story sort of centered around it. And I just kept going back to Titanic being like, I like that film a lot more. I think it sort of nailed a lot of those elements better. But... Um, I, I appreciated like, the production side of it, but there was a lot of... I was curious, just some of the decisions they made that I was like, this holds it back from being a really great film. Of course, The Notebook, it's sort of the quintessential love story, so you're going to... A lot of people will come into it from a more uh, critique standpoint, being like, <laughs> oh, I didn't like this or this. The only thing I could really point out is I wish the, there's a dementia storyline in it, because there is sort of multiple timelines it's cutting back and forth between. And I wish the dementia was sort of peppered in earlier yeah it sort of comes out of nowhere in the context of the whole story and i wish that there was some sort of hint like maybe the parent of that character had it or something like that there was room for things like that but other than that it's like it's a it's a fine film it's a long bit uh long. i remember it being not horribly it's like maybe two hours 20 minutes so it's not terrible but it definitely just looking sad.
0: at your overview it looks like for the most part the films you have watched have mostly been of a more classical era.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to knock <clears> up that 100 films to watch poster. So a lot of those, um, Notebook was in there, Mean Girls was in there, which I really enjoyed that film. Uh, most recently, the Towering... Infer- Actually, no, Tower Inferno is not in- on that list, but it is a classic that I sort of just ran into, and I thought that film was excellent. It's, mm-hmm. it's a better Die Hard film than Die Hard. Just going wow. to throw that out there, I'm just saying. Um, another one that wasn't on my list, but I ended up catching anyone. I know you liked this choice was the third man, which I thought was excellent. Excellent film. Yeah.
0: Yes. We will uh, hopefully talk about that. We definitely will. At a later date.
1: <laughs> Next to inside Lewin Davis. That's definitely the film you, you've been trying to get on the show yes. for a long time. Yes. Maybe I'll get it on episode
0: <laughs> 104. So it'll be like a direct ah. re- reflection. <laughs> I get them. I only get what I want at the end of the year. Um, <laughs> You're not getting what you want today? No. N- no. 2020 has <laughs> been the year of not getting what you want. Oh, um, that's true. So I guess All right. back over to you.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's have a stalk, having a bit of a stalk. Let's see something. Cause yeah, you've got a lot of sort of random ones in here that are sort of tricky. So I'm going to point out one that you, you've been watching a lot of Pixar films. You've got Un- Monsters University. Brave, yeah. So I, I really took this. S-
0: while you've been trying to knock off the hundred list, I've been trying to knock off the Pixar mm. list. Uh, and I have all that's left for me is now the good dinosaur and a film that we'll be talking about at a later date. Mm, um, I like
1: that. Yeah, I have good dinosaur and brave left, and you watched brave. I did. So wasn't
0: no. wasn't me cup of tea? No, but there um, was one that was your cup of tea. I uh, was um,
1: Coco, mm. um, which you also visited. I also watched Coco. I think in oh, the same week. Um, I definitely watched it based on you having watched it.
0: And yeah, I I think Coco would definitely be from what I remember. Uh, the guy who directed that one also directed Toy Story three, which oh wow for me was probably the strongest Pixar film. So Coco was definitely a close second to that. Yeah. Um, I've found that the last the last month has been a mixture of me having disgruntled angry face or crying. <laughs> has been the middle ground between the two. There's been very little. Uh middle ground between the two right. um and yeah i was left a little bit of an emotional state by the end of it i didn't feel like i was manipulated into the film but i think the film does hit uh certain certain emotional beats that always get to me um music mm. dramas are always even no matter what the format always get to me uh and i i don't know i just really enjoyed the story it was it felt um I always like cultural insight too. Something mm. where it allows you to, and I think nowadays, uh, films definitely um, try more to be culturally accurate and appropriate. Which means when you get films like this, even though they're aimed at kids, they still offer an insight that you would never get as an Australian in any point in time really I mean right just that sort
1: of the family culture because it is a very generational film it is about generations of family yeah particularly centered around the Mexican
0: sort of lifestyle and I think because that's sort of the things of what I liked about films like The Farewell although a completely different um whole concept and challenge in that film and I think the films that make me feel like I'm learning something at the same time as being like invested in the story are Always going to be stronger films in my eyes. So. I
1: def- I remember Honeylands a great one as well. Of yeah, even though it's not fictional, exactly. but a view into a culture you wouldn't otherwise know about.
0: Yeah, dude, I ain't going to Macedonia.
1: <laughs> uh-uh. No, you want to protect no, the bees? No, not my,
0: So I'm gonna put a cu- kind of couple of few here together. So when I was talking about okay. is obviously examples of films you've watched that mm. are on that hundred film poster. Yeah, Vertigo, Psycho, yep, yep. Rocky. Yep. And Twelve Angry Men and City of God. Yes, um, yes, yes. Ah, have easy. not seen You're City of God or Twelve Angry Men. Those are the two um, best ones on the list. Yeah, they or are. Those five you just said um, seen five, uh, Psycho. I haven't seen Vertigo or, and I have seen Rocky. So, um,
1: Rocky. What do you think? Um, really liked. I was surprised by how little boxing's in it. Yeah. As well as how little time manipulations in it. When you think of Rocky, or at least when I thought of Rocky before watching the film. I thought of two things: the boxing, and the montage. Yeah. And for a film that you remember about the montage, there's not a lot of montages. Rocky's- a lot of scenes just play out, and I fucking love that. Rocky.
0: Rocky's definitely the one that's the most reserved with that. Absolutely. Um, oh, so they
1: get worse as the series goes. Yeah, on? I
0: haven't managed to actually catch any outside, but. Like, outside of Rocky 1 and the Creed films, I haven't yep. seen any of the other ones. Um, maybe that's a list I should just knock out of the park while we're <laughs> tucked away. But <laughs> mm. um, I know that the the later ones are more synonymous with montages. Gotcha.
1: Because um, I loved how little of that there was in this film. I mean, the fact that there's like a... It, I wouldn't call it a scene. It's more of a sequence of scenes mm-hmm. where he's trying to, to woo Adrian. Is it Adrian, the girlfriend?
0: Uh, yes, yeah. Adriana.
1: Um, Adriana. And I just love... I love her arc that she goes from being the this, this shy mm. sister who Rocky's trying to sort of woo and she kind of blossoms into her own by the end of it. She gets balls to stand up against her, the brother. But I just, I love the underdog story. The fact that it doesn't just end with him necessarily just winning, but he does win in his own mm. way or in the way that you would expect. I, don't, I just, it's, I really it's like a little, it. Really it's funny
0: it. how, like, reuse that sort of trope is like how cliche that trope is now that mm. it's like but back then that wasn't a, a like that was one of the cornerstone to and Absolutely. benchmarks of that cliche was that so.
1: was it 70s rocky 76 77 yeah that sounds so. right um right because it out one taxi driver best picture that's great i remember reading that but like whoa okay it's a good okay. film. It is a good film. It's Not sure it's as film, good as Taxi. But, German, um, but I just want to say with um, Hitchcock, because those are my first Hitchcock films as well, Psycho and Vertigo, I actually love what the, both the films do. I think there's an inherent issue with Psycho that reframes it from being a perfect film, and is that structurally you don't learn about the villain until the last scene, when a doctor just comes in and explains the whole thing. I hate that. And I was I... like, that's the only thing standing back from being a perfect film.
0: I hate... Uh, that scene, but that scene's a funny scene. There's a bit of history behind that scene. Mm -hmm. He didn't want that scene in the film, okay? The production company told him to add that scene in because it wasn't clear.
1: That feels that Uh, sounds right, yeah.
0: And so he never wanted that, he wanted to leave it sort of an open, but and I like that more because you don't need to explain it's sort of the same thing with like Silence of the Lambs, you don't really. There's no one who gets in front of the camera and goes, Well, this is what's wrong with Hannibal Lecter on a mm. psychoanalytical level. Yeah. We know he's a psychopath and we know he's crazy, but it's sort of the reservation and the the mysticism behind, mm. you know, is that, you know, we don't, in Science Lambs, we don't know why he keeps Clarice alive, even through the whole film. Um, And why he helps Clarice, he has no real reason to other than it's just his game. Yeah, that's the thing. The the
1: the motivation was sort of always trying to figure out ourselves and it's what keeps it um, investing, in a way. Yeah,
0: I mean, it comes back to every man character in that once always looks at, like, every other, like, character in that film looks at her as, like, a sexualized object Mm. or as as a victim of sort of scopophilic tendencies. And yet... Hannibal's the only one who doesn't look at yeah, it that way. Yeah, that's it's true. He looks... sometimes
1: uses it to his advantage, but you never feel he genuinely is yeah. using that to hurt her in that way. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, we did this film, I think episode 42, I want to say. Um, excellent, excellent film. And but I think... That... a Good comparison. Psych- Psycho. Yeah,
0: Psycho definitely has that thing where it's like they didn't really need to explain that with Norman Bates. I mean, mm-hmm. there was enough there for an audience to go on. But back
1: in the day uh yeah, okay 1960 uh, i think it was
0: yeah, no, uh yeah so 1960 it, definitely there wasn't the same level of, of intuitive you know intuitive audiences yeah Yeah. i mean it comes back to our discussion of screen theory and the fact that screen theory wasn't founded until the mid to late 60s so to have a film like psycho exist it, it almost i mean at the end of the day a lot of people have said it i mean Hitchcock was probably 10 15 years too early too. Mm, I got um, a sense
1: of that for sure.
0: Um, with and the more of his films feel they're a little bit ahead of their time, and um, I think he would have benefited being more in the co- like the Coppola right sort of generation. But I mean, at the end of the day, he also inspired the generation of like Lucas That's and Spielberg. True. So it's it's it's. Been... I mean,
1: you can't even argue um, Lucas was ahead of his time, at least in the beginning of his career. Yeah, for sure. But you're right. it's it sort of it has that trickle-down effect of following uh, I think you'll like Vertigo better because the themes are a little more like you have to dig into to really appreciate it but there's no scene at the end that does that it feels, everything feels right in Vertigo so I think you'll like Vertigo more than Psycho for that reason I guess it's uh, back to you, taking apart yeah. my, uh, my diary, <laughs> taking it apart cool, I love this because I actually forgot what films I've watched recently so it's yeah. actually fun to and be like, oh yeah I did watch that Um, let's see Oh, you watched How's Moving Castle. I, I still haven't seen it, you know. Yeah, so it's
0: the first Studio Ghibli film I've ever watched. Including
1: uh, Spirited Away.
0: Yeah, I've never seen Spirited wow. Away. Uh It is on my list because a lot of those films have been released to Netflix now. Yeah, they're all on Netflix. Um, and it's awesome. So uh, Good timing. <laughs> but honestly, I I guess shout out to uh, Liam Nicholas, who has one of the characters tattooed on his leg. Wow. Um, which leg? <laughs> uh, um,
1: Inside baseball, it, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, and yeah, so he has one of them tatted on his leg, and I always was like, "Oh, what's that from?" And he's like, "Oh, it's from How's Moving Castle." Right. Um, and it's the character of Turnip Head. For any listeners who've actually seen the mm.
1: the film, I'd hope most because um, I'm I'm I need to watch it. I do.
0: Okay, I, I'm going to straight out come and say this. Uh, I Uh-oh. don't know if I'm. I actually enjoyed House Moving Castle, I did. Um,
1: You have four stars on that box.
0: I did, I did. No, I walked away with it. Uh, It's sort of that thing where it's, like... It comes back to my, like, Parasite-esque... Everyone thinks the film's the best thing since, like... Anyone I've seen who has watched House Moving Castle goes, Oh my God, it's amazing and Mm -hmm. jaw-dropping and and thought-provoking. And I don't know if it it just doesn't... I don't ever get... I didn't get the reading. And it's not like... I'm it, I'm anti-animation or anti-Japanese animation, um, or or any of the like anti-studio Ghibli. I love animation. Um, I th- I lost my body was one of my favorite films of I last fucking year. I Love that film. Um, even though it's a French studio, but it's all, I mean, to me, it's all the same. I don't give a crap who makes it. It's whether I understand <laughs> it and whether animation's it, animation. In that but way. Studio Ghibli, and from what I've been told by Liam after I said it, I was like. I just some of the things are weird and they don't feel like they're explained. Um I obviously watched the English version, the English sub uh, dub, English dub, um which had voices of Billy Crystal and Christian Bale, which was interesting. Wow. Okay. Um Never knew that. No. I was like <laughs> the main, how is Christian Bale? Um in house moving <laughs> It makes
1: me figure that movie in such a different way now. Right. And it was
0: weird because I got halfway through it and I'm like, I know this guy's voice. Who is this voice? Yeah. Like I knew as soon as the the there's a fire spirit called Calcifer. Yeah. And as soon as he talked, I knew it was Billy Crystal because I just watched Monsters University. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's yeah. like it's like, you know, he he starts speaking Michael like this wifey. what the hell is Billy Crystal doing in this? <laughs> um, and yeah, so um it was a bit weird. Um but Maybe I
1: should watch the the just a subtitled version.
0: Potentially, um, I'm not opposed to reading subtitles, but if there's an English, an English, I see. okay, uh, yeah. dub, I'm always going to opt for that because it's just a bit of an easier time. Um, I might be missing out on some crucial information that just doesn't translate.
1: Mm. But
0: yeah, but yeah, we're I, both I, drinking beer here. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I at the end of the day, I walked away feeling pretty positive about it. It does have some really cool animation. Um, A relatively simple story with some confusing stuff that just, to me, doesn't translate, but um, definitely has um, an essence of sort of fantasy and confusion. So I think I, but I walked away Watch, it was an easy watch. So there Mm -hmm. were, I, I had positives with it to warrant the four stars, but it's almost like, they're not positives that
1: justify
0: four stars, I guess. Like, okay. Like but the it was just a gut
1: feeling at that point, eh?
0: it felt like a good film. I felt like I understood it, and I think maybe it's stuff like the music, stuff that like, and uh, even just the love of the anim- like the animation style that are is enough brownie points.
1: Pushes you over, sort of thing. Yeah, I'd
0: say so. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, Another one I saw on your list. Oh, you're going to... All right, Uh, let's do this. uh. um, Which I was curious (laughs) about. Uh, I don't really want to delve into... Because it looks... um, Films that I haven't seen. It's more the ones I would like to... Just know what I fought on. Um, I'm really curious about two. Only probably two on this list. All right. Um... I see you've seen Casino. Don't really need to add too much to Casino. It really is a good film. Um, Moonlight is a film I think we should visit on the show at some point, so I don't really want to gauge that too much. Excellent film. Um, So the two I'm really curious about is Annihilation, so Alex Garland's
1: Annihilation, Mm, with a two and a half stars. Now, for Mm. reference, viewers... I gave it three stars and then bumped it down to two and a half. after For reference...
0: I gave it four stars, so this is a really interesting...
1: um... We don't diverge that much, I feel like. No,
0: so that's why I want to talk about it. I I hope hope that
1: helicopter outside is doing some good social distancing right now. (laughs) Yeah, that was a... Um, Annihilation, look, I watched it, I actually went in with semi-high expectations because I've talked to a lot of people who adore the film. And I was just immensely bored by it. The science didn't engage me at all. The characters didn't really engage me at all. Um, The only thing I generally remembered and liked about it was the, without spoiling it, one of the final scenes that involves like a mirroring presence. And I thought that was a beautifully done scene. But everything leading to that, I was just immensely bored by. And I was interested by the colours the way they bleed into each other. It was a very interesting-looking film. I don't even know if I liked the visual palette of it, if you will. Interesting. Like, it just seemed interesting, but not... I just couldn't buy... And I am I'm like that the film exists. I know a lot of people go into it and they, they, they love the science behind it. They love maybe what it sort of represents and the sort of the twists and turns that you get at the end of, oh, this is actually this. I just really couldn't get into any of that.
0: That is incredibly interesting
1: mm. in the sense that I
0: loved I loved um right. Annihilation. I watched that film last year. Um I think for specifics I think I gave it a seven point seven five. Um boy that <laughs> That's is... what you did
1: an Instagram review of it back um, in the day.
0: Yeah, yeah, back in the day. And I was really fond of I think I have Oscar Isaac Bias and uh, He's good in the film but very
1: he doesn't have much to do, of course.
0: No, but I think that it's with him. What makes him so such an effective actor is even the small times he uh. gets given, he uses it really well. Um, and sort of the ambiguity of the ending, uh, you know, and and sort of the questions it asks. Um, I actually think there are other really good performances in there outside of Natalie Portman's. I think I think it's Emma Thompson hmm. puts on a really Really good performance. I
1: love the um. I can't about. remember her name. I think she plays the mum in Atypical, but she's sort of like the leader of the group, if you will. That go out yes. into the thing. Uh, I really liked her. She sort of had that cool presence, similar to um, uh, the the agent in Gone Girl, just that sort of pr- authoritarian presence. But she's also sort of approachable. I've always loved that idea. Mm-hmm. So she's really right in in Annihilation, but. I just didn't care. I really didn't care. It's
0: definitely a divisive... Tessa Thompson, sorry, not Emma Thompson, beg my pardon. Right, gotcha. gotcha. Um, yeah, it's definitely right. a divisive yeah, she's good, film. is good. Um, I definitely, like, I'm even just looking at everyone's grades on it and it's all over the place, so... I had, um, um, I was
1: looking at the free billboards ratings to get an idea and it was very, like, all over the place for a lot of people. So... What was the second one that you were... Have um, to ask me about
0: yeah. I had to ask you about American History X, which mm. you were much more positive on. Um, it's a great film, but maybe not as positive as I thought you would be. Okay, it. Um, um, I know for, I... for, for for viewer discretion, three and a half stars from Jake. Um, I think I'm sitting much... on four and a half for that film. Oh, okay.
1: I appreciate a lot four. of what the film. Does I don't I don't really have any negatives from it. Uh, negatives rather. It was a lot of nice surprises. Oh, I like how contained. Excuse me. <clears throat> I like how contained it is. I know where they flashback a lot and I love the use of black and white footage in those flashbacks, but I love the idea that it's kind of a kid trying to write an essay overnight. Yes. And coming from one completely um, hate-filled uh, ideology to to the other spectrum, learning about what his dad had to go through and Edward Norton's amazing in the film. So I, I do love all of that. I think maybe... Maybe it's a bit harsh. I could bump it to a four. But, I mean, again, I don't like the ratings from the sense that it, it, clearly what's happening now, I didn't... You might have read that and not realised I liked it more than it looks like I might have liked
0: it. No, well, it. I mean, that's the unfortunate thing with ratings. and yeah. um, um, The the shame is that not every film can uh, get discussed on our weekends to the ins and outs of what we liked and disliked. Exactly, um, yeah. Otherwise, we'd be here all day. Um <laughs> I mean, we could be here all day. What else
1: are we doing? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I th- I just was curious about That's that. That's fair enough. Um, do you I have love the film.
1: Any more questions? Um, I want to ask you about. Here's a few. Fi- well, okay, I'll ask you about two first, that I'm like really excited to get more from you. Okay. And then I'll ask a few other films, as in, why the fuck did you watch those? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they're the big ones. All right. So we'll start with these two: Gran Torino and A Quiet Place. Yeah, discuss. I think I watched
0: these in succession to each other or very nice. close to each other. I watched A Quiet Place with Mum. Nice, um, okay. So I don't know if it's been talked about a lot on the show, but definitely off the show, Emily Blunt is like the OG like celebrity crush for Yours Truly. <laughs> um, and to see that her husband in real life, John Krasinski, has a beard and ears that stick out is- <laughs> It's a little reassuring, you know. Can
1: I, can I quickly jump in and just say my sister finally made me and my mum watch The Office, so I, I'm two mm-hmm. seasons into the U.S. Office, and it's I love it. Yeah, it's is really he funny. good in it? He's he's funny.
0: See, I I he's haven't funny, seen yeah. it The Office, um, and I'm sure it's it's you know people are screaming right now like hearing <laughs> that. Um, I also have the box set of Friends on Blu-ray, and I haven't watched that either. Damn, um, on Blu-ray, fucking hell. Yeah, it was like $70 <laughs> at Sanity. And gotcha. Like,
1: My sister bought me the DVD.
0: I got so. like halfway through season one. I was enjoying it, but I just stopped. Um, I think the first episode of Friends... Uh, uh, sorry, tangent aside. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I always liked that because I always thought that was a really funny uh, funny thing that this kind of... Like, even in A Quiet Place, like this super serious film, he just has a dopey presence. And I mm-hmm. think that's why he's so lovable for people on The Office um, not saying, not saying he's a dopey person. He's obviously very, this, the film was actually
1: pretty entertaining. Um, mm. well, in, I would say in the office is dopey presence, but he's very lovable. Yeah. Like, not, he, he definitely, I think is... he's lovable in this film. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. he's, uh,
0: in a quiet place. Um, it, it's funny because that film, when it came out and from most people that watched it, loved it. Mm. Like, like I, I think maybe Loved it a little too much. I would love um, to
1: rewatch it in better conditions and knowing who Drunk is. There's a lot
0: of things in it, and these are not criticisms in the sense that um, these are things that, honestly, that if I was to shoot a horror, I'd probably do too. But things that you you can watch that definitely outline that he is a first time director. Okay. Like a little hints um, to that. I think, uh, and I don't want to, I doubt we'll do an episode on the first film, but on the in, we will probably do one on the second mm. film. Um, I don't like that... that his second film is a sequel. I, I definitely stand by that. Oh, that, that is like a part that two. Is a, that's a concerning uh, thing because, you know, you take someone like Jordan Peele mm. who did Get Out, and then went and made us. Yeah. And whatever we say about us, which is an incredibly divisive film, the whole part of the film community adores it. Other half, uh, hate we, it. We did us, didn't we? Um, we did. Yeah. On oh, episode, episode 12, twelve, I think. Um, <laughs> but they're two distinct films. Mm. Um, both in the same genre. I'm not saying Krasinski couldn't have made a second film in the same genre, but they're unique enough.
1: Present uh, premise, story, ideas explored. Yeah, it makes
0: me. It makes me worry that. He maybe doesn't have too many ideas in the noggin, as per se, you know. It
1: might have just been, like, it was very successful. Maybe he was pressured or asked to do a part two. so...
0: Um, It's definitely got some cool things in it. Like, I really like the deaf... uh, Sort of the deaf Mm. daughter. Um,
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And she's a young adult, and I like that story arc with her and Krasinski. Yeah. some of the stuff with uh, I I'm really happy. One thing, given the events of the first film, the second one is definitely going to put way more focus on Emily Blunt, right? Because um, of yeah the events. Because I actually think happened. her in the first one, up until the last five minutes, she, doesn't, she her her story is basically for the most part she's pregnant, um,
1: right? That's right. Really, uh, yeah. And
0: some of the things some of the things that she gets put through, like giving birth in the tubs, good. But then her stepping on the nail. Felt a little bit
1: like oh, people, oh that was a horror. People always talk about the nail on the that's always like the joke. I think people talk about like it's a little too. I guess like I just, people just always talk about that scene. It's a little too um. I guess it, yeah, it's like it's a distinction.
0: Uh, I think that's the one thing where it almost feels a little uh. uh first student in. well, student filmy. Okay, like there. I've, I mean, I literally can name a student film that has that exact <laughs> nail shot in. Um, Maybe that. Inspired. Her giving birth in the the tub's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if I feel she's ever in danger in the first film. The okay. second one's gonna be really interesting because I probably because obviously they'll probably flip it around, yeah. Because I think it's a little obvious which one of them is gonna bite the bullet uh, yeah. in the first film. Um,
1: in that family, yeah, for sure. In that
0: family, um, if anyone's gonna bite the bullet, because honestly, I I would have had two guesses. I would have been like, oh, Chris, and. Here we go. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> um, either Krasinski's going to die or no one's going to die. Um, would have been mm, my two okay. guesses, especially after the, the first kid that dies at the start of the film. Really <laughs> oh, yeah. good setup. Yeah. Except a little infuriating. The kid grabs, like they, they put the kid at the back of there. are some things where it's like, I know they're kind of plot contrivances that leave me to be like, look, I know it's a horror and we make allowances because it's a horror, but This horror is trying to be more than just your average stock horror. It's a post-apocalyptic horror, so it's a little different. Hmm. Um, It doesn't have the same rules as something like The Invisible Man. Um, (laughs) I'll do that again. (laughs) Yeah, look, and we can debate, but at least The Invisible Man is kind of an isolated horror story um, that doesn't have full world impacts. It's definitely an interpersonal story Hmm. um, between a a collection of characters. You know, The Invisible Man's not a, a species of man trying to take over the world. Um, and I mean, they it might had... make
1: another film where well, that is the plot. You never know. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: and I actually think a quiet place sometimes has very similar problems to things like I am legend. Um, okay. Uh, not nearly to the same degree as I am legend. <laughs> um,
1: which is funny cause some people really like that film. Um, I just remember my brother saying this when he first watched, he's like, the trailer was better than the movie. And it really sort of opened my eyes. to The movie was fine. Deception in trailers. Um, It was a two and a half star any day of the week. So definitely
0: Quiet Place is better than that. And And Gran Torino. I want to learn more about it. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I went on my big Quiet Place. No, that's okay. Um, But yeah, Krasinski (laughs) gives me hope. If I was 15 years older, I might have had a chance with uh, Emily Blunt. Um, Oh, well. That was my conclusion. Um, Okay, Mr.
1: Florence Pugh. Uh,
0: (laughs) What? I'm not saying anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: She's practicing social distancing very well, everybody. I'm just saying. She's not got a boyfriend. I'm pretty sure she did. She had like a ridiculously older boyfriend. They're probably still together. Fair enough. And then she made fun of people for making fun of her for dating an older guy. Oh, okay. But like, she's an adult, so who gives a shit?
0: Mm.
1: Anyway, (laughs) I'm just defending um, her.
0: (laughs) Gran Torino. Um, So we've talked about Eastwood on the show. It's been definitely a hit or miss director, depending on which film you're talking about. Torino is definitely a hit. Um, I think it's showing that this is this is my thing that the mule had um didn't have that Torino does have um it's definitely acknowledging uh i think both films acknowledge Eastwood's age well mm. but one oh, of them special, yeah. one of them acknowledges it far better than uh the mule he's like this every girl thinks he's really attractive and i don't know if Eastwood just needed an ego boost <laughs> at the age of 90 <laughs> and he's probably had more women in his life than like anyone on earth anyone on earth you could think of because he's clint freaking eastwood um yeah, we should start printing shirts with that like one-liners from the show. Yeah, yeah um but yeah it, it, the, the best part about the best part about gran torino is definitely um it it's acknowledging his age and always talks about the precipice of violence but doesn't doesn't show it until the last five, 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah. That's a
1: good point. I um, remember when I first was watching the film and I remember it was rated M, which shocked me because of how much course language is in it. Yeah. I'm not swearing. But now that you point it, it's like, yeah, there's actually very little violence in the film.
0: No, there's a lot of, uh, implied violence mm. and, and
1: potentially oh, mostly the, the scene as well. When they, um, without spoiling anything, when a character walks in and you find you, you can figure out just by looking at it. You're like, I know what happened to you. And that's fucked up. Yeah. Like moments like that. That's a good point.
0: It's a, it's a really good film. I I really enjoyed it. Um I think it's definitely a hit in terms mm. of the Eastwood and I would like It'll I miss. would like to get Richard Jewell in this year um and see how I feel about I think it's out that.
1: soon on DVD, yeah.
0: I don't have high hopes for it. I think um I think for him it's interesting because it, he he has a certain style where um it feels more uh, like a contemporary like he takes stories from the world like s- s- small seemingly small stories and and really like focuses he's definitely more a character driven person he likes focusing mm. on characters rather than things like camera work and stuff like that um i can appreciate that yeah uh and i think that's kind of a testament more to kind of the cinema he was you re- re- know like brought up in um Although, you know, a lot of the Westerns he were in did have magnificent camera work, a lot of them also had... Particularly Eastwood films um, had a lot more uh, stagnant cameras. It was hmm. more about the characters rather than, uh, you know, sort of the Once Upon a Time in the West sort of big shots and yeah. and atmosphere. I definitely
1: where... think of the visual, visuals of Once Upon a Time in the West more than the characters. But yeah. they all hold up, definitely.
0: Yeah, whereas with Eastwood it's more the, the iconist iconic nature of his presence Mm. um and i definitely think that's a thing you know you look at things like sully or richard Jewell; these films that have literally their titles are the name of the person the american Uh, hero it's a it's definitely a focus a character focus rather than american
1: sniper for sure as well
0: yeah exactly um so it's interesting um i came out with gran torino feeling quite positive about it nice i love the ending i love the i think it's so good um, it's building to this, to this moment and, mm. um, we all think he's going to go John Wick and then <laughs> he
1: doesn't go John Wick. He goes the opposite Quite of John the Wick. the opposite,
0: yeah. So I really, I did definitely appreciate
1: it. It felt like he knew what he was doing, but he wasn't being an ego about it. Like, you're right. No one was flirting with this 90 year old man in this film. He's character it's a himself, con- I mean, in a lot of yeah. ways it's
0: a contemporary Western. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah from from everything from that sort of final standoff-esque almost that you know you i just got visions of like the end uh the end of red well a certain character in red dead one right where he like he's at the barn and he opens it up and he just gets (laughs) pelted Uh, i don't know why i'm trying to hide the truth of Red Dead One.
1: <laughs> it's an jo- old game now. <laughs> yeah, John
0: Marston died.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> but
0: I'm sure there's been actual films I could equate to, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Did you want to
1: talk about? There's a few. I I won't ask you to review these films. Okay. But I just I just want to point these out. These are on your list of films you have watched in the last few weeks. Um. So you watched. Actually, I Tonya's is a really good one. I'm glad you watched that. Mm. Um. No. Didn't buy
0: it. Hated I Tonya. Whoa! I think I sat on a two and a half. Oh, you gave
1: it two. I, f- I thought two it was three and a half.
0: No, that's two and a half. You're correct.
1: All right, that's fine. Um, she
0: is the best part of it, but that film excellent. that film has the same problem that the dirt has. It just starts genre like it starts going from a biop. I hate when people talk to camera now. I'm fucking oh, so the American sick Animals of- sort of thing. Oh, it makes sense in American Animals because it's framed like a- it's essentially a mockumentary drama. Mm. Um, and it works in American animals, but you know, they get 25 minutes into a film that's like grounded in realism and they have interviews, which good, I don't mind using a framing device as interviews, but then halfway through, uh, these, uh, memories, these recounts, they just start talking to the camera. Like it's the, I know it's meant to show that they're like bridging the interview into reality, Hmm. but I don't, I didn't
1: like it. And I liked it fundamentally because of the perspective and the different perspectives it's exploring, but it's been a while since I've seen it, though. There's
0: some frustrating
1: characters in it. Like, okay. She She basically, in the first 20 minutes, says she doesn't
0: want to be around her like abusive boyfriend and the dipshit friend, but then proceeds to stay with him for the whole film. It, it tries to, I think, glor- glorify Tonya Harding a little bit too much in a lot of ways. Um and try to make you sympathise with her more, but at the same time she keeps doing stuff that does anything but warrant sympathy. I mean, she surrounds herself with these fucking Mm. idiots of people and you're just like...
1: I wouldn't mind re-watching it because I I definitely didn't blame it. I mean, the whole thing is I feel like it spirals so beyond her control that the final sort of consequence was beyond her control. Yeah, but,
0: like, 20 minutes in she basically goes, and he abused the shit out of me, and then and I know that there's that whole, uh, you know, tough conversation about, uh, well, you know, domestic violence is hard to escape, but in the confines of the, we're not talking about reality. Reality is different to, to film in the way that they frame it. She loathes him and yet can't perform without him for seemingly no reason other than that's what happened in real Mm -hmm. life. It doesn't carry over into film. um, because it's different. Because there are certain situations where domestic violence is discussed about in film. It comes back to our Invisible Man debate.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, they have way more problems than it than that. <laughs> um,
0: where you try and carry these themes over, and they just don't they don't carry over. I think if the story doesn't hold up, and it's like her mum. Her mum like like st- apparently was her catalyst for perfection, but all we see in the film is she is an absolute. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> so.
1: I like that. <laughs> see, you. next Tuesday. That's fair. I wouldn't mind rewatching it just to get a more up to date because yeah. it's been years since I saw it. But these these are just some that are on your list, and I wanted to ask why. Okay. Uh, let's see. We got the house bunny. That's
0: Sarah Polley's fault.
1: Oh really? Uh, yeah. I no. watched the scene from it on YouTube, and I was like, some of these shots look nice, but it's It feels very <laughs> underlining. Horrible. I don't know. I was baffled that that
0: it was one of those films that i was like i we will because what we do is we go through netflix and we're like oh that film um and i'm like oh well house bunny she's like i've seen that film like what do you think and i should learn from her saying oh you know it's it's all right pretty good that means it's terrible she can't give her like a it's a bad
1: film how can she talk to you if her only form of communication is why listening to this podcast that's that's true that's true
0: (laughs) I have to phone her in. Broke your episodes. logic.
1: Another one is uh The Bachelorette or just Bachelorette. Bach okay,
0: so Bachelorette was uh the first film by uh a filmmaker. I gotta quickly do you mind checking the name for me? I
1: will check for you once the internet decides to work. <laughs> uh Lindsay Headland.
0: Yeah. So, and her second film was the one with Jason Sudeikis and Allison Brie sleeping with other people, which okay, which you I also out watched. With I a think pretty yeah before Something. all this okay. happened. Um, and I actually quite liked that film. Um, and then I looked at who was in Bachelorette and was like, okay, Kirsten Dunst, you know, Isla Fisher. Not a big fan of Isla Fisher. I don't think. She, I mean, but she's you know, I enjoy her in Wedding Crashes. She's mm. funny in Wedding Crashes. Um. But well, that seems to be the only character Isla Fisher plays in films now. Right. Um, <laughs> Kirsten Dunst, I'm hit or miss on, um, but, uh, you know, it's big name quality. Um, and no, no film. Oh, and fair. James Marsden, I'm always good with James Marsden in the okay.
1: film. Okay. I don't mind. The um, last one I'll throw out there, just because I've, I've seen this film years ago as well, being a big fan of Medical Soul Bob Odenkirk, was Girlfriend's Day, ugh. which you watched very recently.
0: Yesterday. It's Yesterday, horrible, Girlfriend's horrible. Day. Horrible. Made no. It was weird. I remember it being very boring. It was one of those films where it's like, it's trying to do the quirky deadpan, but it just doesn't work. Mm. And I'm just like, want to hit my head against the wall.
1: I was saying <sighs> to you on a phone call, and I'll clarify now, it, a lot of it does seem like Bob Odenkirk hiring these friends. Because there's a lot of people who are in Breaking Bad and Better Call Soul, like um, Ed Barkley Jr., mm. who has like an awesome role in season two of, of Soul, who's just in this film for whatever reason. Yeah, I, and, just, and he's like, he's a great, and he's in this random Girlfriend's Day Netflix film. It definitely
0: feels like that. I mean, Odenkirk produced the film and he co-wrote it. Yeah, so totally he right. um, I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like, you really can't fault the performances. It's just a victim of really weird writing and mm. really contrivances that make no sense. Uh, there's this weird sort of, yeah, like I said, this deadpan world where people that write cards are... Uh, personality-less vacuums. But,
1: right. Um, and it gets weirdly violent at times, like finger-breaking and all that stuff. Yeah, it's really weird.
0: It's a Aww. weird film. Yeah. Uh, the only other film I'd like to touch on before we proceed would be uh, a film that we both watched this week, uh, and that would be Won't You Be My
1: Neighbour. Right, okay. Um, yeah, the documentary. Yeah. Uh, well, how are we doing for time, though?
0: Uh, we're pretty much ready to move into the film of the week. Okay. But we both had positive takes on it. hmm Perhaps maybe a later week we might revisit it. So, who knows? Who you
1: knows? Who knows? It's but, uh, a great
0: doco, it really is. Uh, none of these films were what we were watching this week <laughs> on the show.
1: Well, I mean, before... before uh, It's good. Oh. First off, there's so many weeks. Oh, yeah.
0: Right, yeah. Korea stuff. Oh, yeah. I always yeah, forgot it? about that part of the I think we're show. jumping all over
1: the place right now. <laughs> no,
0: well, this is sort of what we watch. Right, right. right.
1: Well, well, we'll say first off, I think people... Absolutely want to hear thoughts on maybe Tiger King. We'll do that next week. Bro, I forgot about Tiger King. We'll do that next week, and I have a reason why we'll talk about it. Okay. In the general next week, because uh, I have an idea for things, at least that I'm going to try and do next week. But, um, Fucking, so that'll be next week. I'm. De- I'm you right, can blame but, it on
0: Carol Basket.
1: <laughs> I'm penciling him <in> right now. <laughs> um, so if you want to listen to thoughts on that, that'll be next week's episode. Uh, but you're right. We've done a lot of talking. Uh, to get these four weeks out of the way, but I think it was a fun game to play. That was good. Bouncing was good. We definitely did see both see that Doco. Um, if there's any career updates you want to touch on, I got a couple, but
0: no, nah. not really. <laughs> no, nah, I sit at home. <laughs> um, my career update is my career is going nowhere.
1: Well, you did get one thing into a festival of sorts. Oh yeah, that month. thing
0: that was a thing that happened. That was um, a thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> a film that came out little over a year ago or i think a year ago tomorrow um i think it was the 19th of the 4th yeah wow okay um, look at that so
1: well by the time this episode by drops by the time this episode drops it would, uh, it would have
0: come out a year ago from today Uh, got into Demoth, um the pretender which was a short film that we did through university mm. um that i just was thinking about like the other day and just watched it and was like ah this is pretty cool. Maybe I'll throw it at something, and it got into to D, which is the it's an online film festival, and Get your um, first
1: little leaflet thing,
0: laurel. They're the called laurel, laurels. Uh, laurel,
1: your first laurel on a poster.
0: Uh yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> hopefully it gets into a couple of others. I got an email today asking. Oh, really? Yeah. If, oh, I think it's just like sometimes it's it's funny because like, you know, you, like the the thing with. The Pretender was so funny, we made it. And then it was like, yeah, let's just put it up. And then <laughs> I just decided, oh, well, I think anyone who wanted to watch it has already watched it. So let's see what happens if I put it into this thing and it, it got in. Um, there you go. That was pretty cool. Uh, definitely, like, look. I think when all this blows over, the film, blows it's going to be crazy, man. It's mm. going to be crazy. So really looking be forward to that time. time.
1: But it's a good yeah. time to write. It's a good time to write which is good. I finally finished that script that I've been writing for ages. Yes. So 156 pages done. Do you see that transition That was there? a very good transition. That's Thank you. Smooth. But um, it's not a festival run per se, but it is cool mentioning that X-Rental got into the Rev On Demand service. So it's basically revelations, like access to all these online films that are available. So it's it's not a festival. I didn't get my laurel, if you will, mm. but it is something cool that, hey, X-Rental was now available through that service. So that's cool. Yeah. And they gave it their own little review revelation. Well they give it?
0: What no, they...
1: or like just like a little tagline. Oh, cool. Which is cool because it means someone had to watch it before they accept it. So you know you at least know you know at least one person watched it. <laughs> one more film. person watched it through this through this service at least. No, it was cool when they said that but it was the on something like the sorry or the sad and sorry and often funny story of the last of the video stores. So I was oh that's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yeah, but no Laurel for Jake yet. <laughs> that's okay. I'll try another one. But, Do you um, have anything yeah. else you'd like to add? I think you... I'll talk more about the script next week. Okay. Um, but for now, that's all I'm going to say.
0: No worries. Well, planet. it's time to move into our film of the week. But, Jake, what are we watching? This
1: week on the show, we're watching Hell or High Water.
0: You have to bank loan. Just enough to keep your mama poor. Thought they could swipe her land.
2: It's a big bank. It's too big. That's what she said.
0: Now they can foreclose on Friday. So come hell or high water, get the money to the bank on Thursday, and then you are free and clear.
2: Little brother, go get that money.
0: Good morning, folks. Open the drawers. You got a gun on you, old man?
2: you damn right I got a gun on me. Y'all gonna steal my gun too? We ain't steal from you, we're sent from the bank. You hear about these bank robberies? You may get to have some fun before they send you off to the rocking chair yet. I may have one hunt left in me.
1: (laughs) Toby and his brother, Tanner, an ex-convict, resort to robbing banks as they can't afford their mortgage payments anymore. Everything goes as planned until police are hot on their trail.
0: This film was uh, directed by, I think it's Doug McKenzie. But uh, more importantly, the screenplay is by one Taylor Mm. Sheridan. Um, who has a trilogy of films. He's going places in the world. He is. <laughs> uh, David McKenzie, not Doug McKenzie, beg my pardon. The film yeah. came out in 2016. It is the best of Sheridan's... What do you think? I think he calls the America trilogy. Um, I can see that. The American trilogy. Because um,
1: I've seen two. I've seen this in... um Wind River. Wind River, yes.
0: Yes, so... Which is crazy, because uh, Sakara is probably the one that has... The most star power behind it, definitely, wow, with okay. Josh Brolin, I think it's Emily Blunt, as one as well. and uh, Benicio Del Toro. Mm. Um That's a good cast right there. It's a very good cast. Um, I think that, that film was actually Emily Blunt's sort of, I want to say her breakout role between that and Edge of Tomorrow were definitely the two that sort of- And maybe
1: Looper a little bit. Oh, shit, she's in Looper. A tiny bit, maybe Looper as well.
0: Um, they're all sort of around that time. Yeah. Um, this one obviously stars one Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and Jeff Bridges are the oh, three baby. big names behind it. Um, and I'll go out on a whim straight off the bat. Here's is my hot take. This is the best thing we've seen out of Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges in the last decade. Oh. At the very least, maybe their careers.
1: That's interesting. At least the last decade. That doesn't surprise me because you have said on the show before in our favorite, a famous episode fifty. This is your favorite film of the last decade.
0: It is my favorite film of the so, last. That's insane. I watched know, this film you know maybe what? like ten times in three years wow. or something like okay. that.
1: You know what? I watched it for the first time two days ago. Yes. And I I got to say, watching, I was like, I see it. I wasn't even like, wow, this is your favorite. It was like, I kind of see it. And yeah. it's definitely not my favorite film of the decade. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. go that far, having only just seen it, but I can see why it's yours, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's got everything
0: I need in a film. <laughs> it's a perfect Zik film. <laughs> uh, it's got political statements. It's got cowboys. It's got cowboys. <laughs> it's got guns. Bank heist. <laughs> I mean, from the moment where, like, you have that opening where it just cuts from black, and you just do that one-shot opening where it sweeps around the right, bank. Right, it's one shot, isn't um, it? I was drawn from that point. Because I had heard about the film in the like Oscar season and how it got nominated. I think it definitely it definitely got nominated for Best Screenplay. I don't know if it won. This was the 2017 Oscars. So mm. it came out in 2016, but obviously the 2017 Oscars, which if I think about it, that was... What we see. La La Land? I
1: think La La Land Land was the year after. No, that was the
0: 2018 one, I'm pretty sure.
1: Moonlight would have been included, I think.
0: Yeah, no, they were in the, like, Moonlight and La La Land were in the same year, because they had that whole big contrivance thing, where, like, one, like... Oh, yeah, because
1: that's all 2016, isn't it? No, I'm pretty sure it's 2018. Let's check on, because I'm getting really confused Um, (laughs) here. I'm convinced this was in the Shape of
0: Water year. Um, Possibly. So, uh, let me check the 2017 Oscar nominations.
1: Well, I think my main take, I'll just go with my main takeaway, having only seen it two days ago. Yeah, I so think... I was correct.
0: Oh, okay, so Hidden Figures, Hacksaw Ridge, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight, oh, La La Land. So you wow. were, so that was the year.
1: I must have seen just about all of those then, um, one, bar one or two.
0: Yeah, so I remember. Just go... I think I was doing that. I was going through all of the twenty seventeen films. Mm. Still haven't gotten to Moonlight yet, but um, yeah, and was just drawn from the, the opening. I had no clue yeah. what I was getting myself into. I had only known Chris Pine as the guy from, at that point, Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek movies. Oh, okay. I don't think I'd seen Wonder Woman yet. It wouldn't Um, have been out. No. At that point. And Jeff Bridges came up here and there, but he wasn't... I hadn't seen Big Lebowski yet.
1: Right, gotcha.
0: So, I I didn't know too much about Jeff Bridges and definitely knew nothing about Ben Foster. So... Mm. Um, my boy Ben it was <laughs> it was definitely a blind spot but a more, like a very welcome blind spot
1: it was I'm definitely, because sure. I went into a pretty blind as well I knew obviously it was your, I knew those actors and I knew it was your favourite film of the decade but I didn't know anything else about it other than the logline that we had read <laughs> weeks earlier at that point mm. so I was really removed from it and what, yeah, what I loved about it is it is really this sort of and I said it to you couple of days ago it is the perfect postmodern western next to logan which has its own sort of history because that's obviously commenting on the the fatigue of superhero films but this is a genuine like this takes place in texas the roads always empty that all the motivations sort of fit in that type of film and even just the tone of it i can compa- i remember comparing the soundtrack to things like free billboards or the the 2018 god of war which none of those had come out at that time so this sort of precedes any of those products, if you will, yeah. but just tonally, it just, it takes itself very seriously in a way that I love how much it takes us to see, and I think this is, to me, what Free Billboards is, this is what this film is to you, I feel like, in terms of a film that works in taking itself seriously mm-hmm. and matching that tone, and I think what I found in that film, you found in this film, and I can totally see that kind of yeah, connection. I,
0: think I, I what I enjoy about this film is it, and for the most part, um, all three of, of Sheridan's uh, quote American trilogy mm. um, is they have that sort of way of telling a, a small story, but the way he builds his worlds mm. and his worlds feel like a living organism unto themselves, which I really enjoy. Um, it sort of feels like it's characters moving through a world rather than, uh, you know, the world revolving around the characters. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and this one especially takes a stance on sort of capitalism and and sort of the the robbing of the American dream, as you were, and how um you know there are multiple uh, scenes, particularly with Bridges and his uh Alberto Alberto, uh, <laughs> who is oh part he's he's part Mexican part Native American, mm. um, in which they share a very interesting relationship, very kind of the dialed-up version of the dynamic between Hank and his part And
1: Gomi, I thought the exact same thing um, as well. But definitely... It's more a, unique, though.
0: A, a, and a little bit more aggressive, I think. Um, you never feel like Hank's being... Like deliberately, like in Breaking Bad, there's definitely it's a playful racism. Yeah, it feels more a bit bit more PG. Whereas sometimes there are scenes where you know Alberto does act out, generally offended by what he's hearing. Exactly. Um, And I like. I think I. I mean i I do love Gomi and Hank's dynamic, and it's definitely given more time to obviously evolve because it's over the course of a show rather than. Uh, film, but the fact that you do care about both these characters in uh, the film is a tight hundred minutes. Yeah, so, I love the pace so, of it, and it,
1: it's one of the only films in a long time where I didn't check the time code. like. Oh once. man! And
0: the, this is one of Sheridan's greatest strengths, and I particularly found it with Wind River and this film, is it it focuses on a very small group of characters mm. and they're they're making through the world. And you really get time to be attached to each character. Yeah. So the fallout from scenes feels grandiose. Um, and you definitely feel all the time with each of the films, the the peril that, that mm. you know characters are going to be uh, uh, killed off, essentially. No one feels safe. You know? Yeah.
1: Um, well, uh... the danger's always present. And I love how... You know, there's a part later in the film. We won't get into spoilers too much just yet. Yeah. But there's a part when, um, when they try to rob one of the banks. The fact that there's like, excuse me, more than five people in the bank is like a big deal. Like, there's yeah. a lot of inherent danger from. I so the stakes are right there in your face, which I it's, love.
0: It's funny to think about because, um, you know, often these big bank heist films that we've all grown to love growing up. I mean, I grew up one of my f- favorite films and guilty pleasures is point break mm. um which is a film that has no realism <laughs> um, at all it is what? just uh yeah. it's just a kind of a clunky fun amazing film that has keanu channeling my his boy keanu. his
1: true uh keanu powers i'm um, gonna are you is the audience ready for me to open my beer See, but this is like, yeah, this is this is what the cinema side show is now. It's know, drinking it's, and talking about movies. It's the home brewed version. Oh, that's of...
0: good. I like that. The home brew. Oh fuck! I'm um, doing a really good job. edition. You were just uh-huh. embarrassed because I didn't want to spill on your carpet again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I, I, I think we grew up with all of these flawless heist movies, in which, you, like you said, the only time, uh. A heist ever goes well is if it's not montage beforehand, which is
1: right. Very I think true. oceans. I was talking about that,
0: Um and yeah, and I really like that rule of thumb. Um With the exception of the other one is uh, if they have a defined rule and they break the rule because of a character, they always it always well, ends. Well, it's to the idea
1: of from a from a, a cinema perspective of you <laughs> of the audience watching it. If you see them outlie the plan on screen and you, yeah, you see the montage usually means that that plan's going to go wrong. And if we just jump into the heist, usually it goes right. But in, the, it feels different in the case of this film, because um, some of these robberies are very sporadic. Sometimes a certain character is yeah, like, and, I'm just going to do this right now. Let's do it. And,
0: and I kind of like that too. Mm. And I like the fact that every robbery in this feels so real. Um, And I think the grounded realism that Sheridan gets over these three films um, and particularly this one and Wind River are the two that I more note because they feel way more interpersonal. I love Sicario, but not as much as the other two. Um, Mm. And it's because, yeah, it feels, it feels real. Like, the the ina- like the sporadic behaviour and impulsive behaviour is established with Ben Foster's character long before he does something stupid in robbing a bank that has right. CCTV monitors.
1: Well, they very clearly show that this is the crazy one and this is the karma one, but yes. then some of the decisions that they make really intersect.
0: Yeah. this I mean, this film at the end of the day, uh, oh, oh, I think I enjoy it because on a on a narrative level, it's essentially a game of chess.
1: It's between yeah. two groups. It's a classic that, cat and mouse game.
0: Yeah, but it it almost feels like, you know, it's like these seasoned uh, Texas Rangers who one of them's on the brink of retirement mm. and, and, you know, what at first seems cliche kind of transcends that because at the end of the day, what what turns into a job for someone like Jeff Bridges' character turns into a vendetta mm. and a revenge mission for him because of events that transpire later in the film. Um, particularly, <laughs> and it, it yep. loses all side of what the original, you know, cat and mouse game, it transcends that. And I think that's what I like about this film is it's not just as it, it has its, you know, it comes back to the parasite thing. It's got the, the surface level enjoyment, but then it's got the layers underneath. underneath, Yeah. Um, And I don't feel like a lot of it's too on the nose because conversations in this world, they feel real. So when a character monologues and suggests that, Oh, it's, we're not being invaded by the white people anymore. We're being invaded by the businesses who are Mm. sapping the culture and, and uh, our identities, um, it doesn't feel like it's too on the nose because it's followed up with scenes like going to casinos and, mm. and, and it feels like conversations that happen between two people that have known each other for a long time, who are both been like, you know, they have both shared a career with one another for, for decades. So they have this sort of time of introspection where it's like, you know, uh, one of my favorite conversations that builds the rapport up with the Rangers is is Alberto asking him what he's going to do with retirement. And in this scene, it comes up that Jeff Bridges' wife uh, has passed away mm. because of how old he is and how... Um, you know, a Texas thing is get a horse, you know, just have a horse. And then he suggests that his now. Oh, it remind of wife... me
1: of her too much. Yeah.
0: And I, I just like those sort of things because it feels like he's clanging on to this and he's wanting. To... And they, they make the joke he's drawing it out as long as he is because right. he wants to stave off retirement as long Which as he can.
1: It's funny because, like, when Alberto says that, I kind of. Not that I got the impression otherwise, but I kind of. I fought better of Jeff Bridges, uh, Jeff, bleh, of, um, well, yeah, of his character, Marcus. That's it. He will mm. I felt, uh, I gave Marcus the benefit of the doubt in those situations. i was like, no, I think, I think he's justified in doing this or setting this plan. And, and I think what I liked about Marcus is he has the brain for this. Even though these brothers have orchestrated this plan, mm. And they are very clever in terms of oh well we're not going to get the hundreds or the the that can get marked we're only going to do this we're going to only tackle these certain banks so we learn early on that what they do they're doing they're bearing the cars exactly but Marcus is the perfect match for them he has the brains for it and that's why I always gave he was a bit of a Sherlock character yeah. of course there's a lot on the exterior but I, underneath I felt the intelligence I was like this is a really smart dude chasing them which of course is better at least for a better plot. Because it yeah. means your characters need to be smart to get ahead, which is always better than, like, a dumb, oh, I fell over a stick and now I got caught. Yeah. So it's always better than that. But I always gave Marcus the benefit of the doubt from, oh, it's more than just retirement sort of thing. There's yeah, I mean,
0: it, it sort of um, It comes back to there's never the interaction like there is in Catch Me If You Can between Hanks mm. and Leo, you know, Leo and Leo manages why is to Leo, Why
1: does Leo get a first name basis, huh?
0: Oh, okay. But Hanks does. <laughs> I don't know. He's your buddy from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? <laughs> we hang yeah, out no, all the time. Like L- LDC and 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 DiCap- <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's just such a long name. Yeah, yeah. Um. But how he outsmarts Hanks in that first scene, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And like makes Tom Hanks look like an idiot. Mm. Um. This definitely feels like they're always encroaching to the point where they're. They're setting up watches and, and there's a good part at the tipping point between the second and third act where they have to make a split second decision to go to a bigger town mm. because they, they can't hit the other one in time. Because actually, as we find out, the Rangers are actually waiting at the other one because they've yeah. tried to corner them and they wouldn't expect them to hit, I think it's Fort which is the one that's, like, they they all have really weird, stupid names in the middle of Texas. I, th- <laughs> I think that's... But that's another thing that I like. I like... The best part I, I think I like about Wind River and and, and um, Hella High Water is they're set in these rural, isolated places. And I
1: love how different those two settings in particular are. Oh, yeah. Between um, Wind River and this film, I love how different it feels. It's I so think, awesome. I think Sheridan...
0: The best part about Sheridan is he's just a platform to make actors that sometimes get a bad rap for being bad actors and just giving them a platform to look really good. Wait, like, who you're... would you consider a bad actor? Though, well, right? a lot of people aren't big fans of Elizabeth Olsen or Jeremy Renner. And I like Who's them. not...
1: A... I'm going to murder anyone <laughs> who fucking badmouths Olivia Olsen. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, I love Elizabeth Olsen. I'm going like, to bash anyone um, who disagrees with and me. And Jeremy
0: Renner always gets a lot of stick for being Hawkeye, right? And...
1: uh yeah, okay.
0: I think he's really good in Wind River, though.
1: No, I mean he's in hurt locker and stuff as well. But I get yeah, true. He's in the tights. I get that. Yeah, he's but uh,
0: that. this is but what I'm. Yeah, I guess Elizabeth Olsen does get like I've I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, she's flat. She's one note. All the Olsen's are flat and one note. Like, Don't
1: compare her to the others. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I
0: and I think this film especially. I think Chris Pine had uh, following Star Trek had the danger of being, you know, sort of branded in the. Just oh, well, he's a cast, triple yeah, yeah, triple triple a, like triple A actor basically like a Chris
1: Pratt perhaps
0: yes exactly mm. like put what's Chris Pratt been in that's not a blockbuster let's think about that post post Parks and Rec and her yeah F- exactly. fa- fat Chris Pratt <laughs> fat Chris Pratt um, when he got fit um, so I, I I definitely think that that's a talking point to have you know um, about uh, this film and I I th- I, I think everything. In it, I think we're probably ready to jump into to spoiler talk. right? I mean, we or could talk about. Spoilers, have you got anything um, else you'd like to add before then?
1: I think it's just it's really cool. I like the idea. You you talked a bit about earlier about like the capitalism exploration in here mm. and how the governments sticking to the man. But I like I like that they dwell a bit into the Robin Hood idea, but not entirely. So there there is the scene when the girl from the diner, she's got this like what it was like a two hundred dollar tip, Yes. or whatever it was, yeah, um, and she refuses to give it in as evidence. Because she's protecting this guy, but she's also using it as a Robin Someone who needs that money has it more than the bank has it. Yeah, but it's more Not flirting giving with... it to the suits. exactly. And it, but it more flirts with the idea because it ultimately is, you know, I guess this does lead in the spoilers quite well. Um, so let's call it spoilers from here just to be safe. Go watch this film; it's excellent. But it all it ultimately ends up being a little more of a selfish idea that they're trying to protect themselves and their family. Yeah, ultimately.
0: I mean, I think that sort comes back to if you look at an opening scene between Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff Bridges' character of Marcus and Alberto, and they make a joke where it's like you're wearing the same shirt, and it's a it's seemingly yeah, a throwaway yeah. line that establishes sort of the dynamic, the relationship dynamic between Alberto and Marcus, where he's saying, "Well, there's only three different types of shirts we can <laughs> wear. There's a good chance we're going to be wearing the same," and it's a it's a it's a joke. But there's a lot of layers to that, you know. And Alberto's
1: closer were more washed out, just saying.
0: Yeah. Alberto, uh,
1: get your shit together. There like
0: <laughs> there's the establishing relationship, uh, the joke, and then there's also the uniform, like mm-hmm. the fact that they're a part of a representative organization that's, you know, helped to enforce the law, enforce the system. And they're there with only binary colours, you know, mm. essentially. Um You know, whereas you contrast them and their uniforms, uh, to you know the skinny, skinny cowboys as they're skinny cowboys Uh, referred to. I it's just little things. It's like the investigation stuff where it's like, like he walks into the diner and there are three cowboys just sitting at the like table, and there's that interaction between them, and it just helps flesh out the world Mm. because. These characters aren't named. We don't give them names. They're literally just witnesses. But there are—I don't know if there are many films out there that do this. Nail it as so
1: well. I think I think you nailed on the head when you said it doesn't feel like the world revolves around these characters. No. And and I think I think the Coen Brothers do well at this with their films. And I think this was actually a little comparable to some yeah, of their yeah. films. But um, I think no one does it. Well, I don't want to say no one does it better, but this film really did a good job at. You're right. These characters. Feel like they've really grew up and have been entrenched in this world and this specific world of Texas that the film creates. It doesn't, you're right, it doesn't feel like, oh, the world revolves around Chris Pine's character or Toby. No. And I think it comes so back like to
0: that. not everything they don't get, you know, we're moving into spoilers, they don't get the happy ending or at least they don't get. None of our main
1: characters get a happy ending. Well,
0: they don't get the happy ending in the sense of the generic happy ending. Mm. Technically, Chris Pine gets what he wants. He he is able to save his land and set up his kids for the rest of his life. Mm. And hopefully avoid Um, them from
1: becoming criminals as well.
0: But he he doesn't get the girl. And his kids... Well, at least he has a a small... One of his kids doesn't speak to him at all. And the other kid has a scene where basically Chris Pine says, don't be like me, mm. strive to be anything but me. And that scene's really good as it starts with him putting a six pack and him drinking it and then going, did you want a beer? And he said, y- you're telling me not to be like you. And <laughs> That's telling a me great it. line. Yeah. And it's just like a really clever sort of like, it's like it's I think that there's some really good way. He finds a really naturalistic way of implanting subtext in there. Mm. And that scene is really intriguing because you think it's going to go, you know, it comes back to when we talked about earlier in the show with Gran Torino, you think that mm. scene is going to go one, one way. way, but it goes a completely different way. And it, the tense build up. obviously I'm talking about the end of the film, you know, if we move further back, we discover that that scene has a bit more context, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a, mm. in a sec, but... Um, I, I find that really interesting Uh, how it's not uh, the happy ending that you expect. Uh, yeah. And it, like I said, people died.
1: That's the thing. I think you hit the nail on the head with Toby kind of gets what he wants in a sense, but he loses. I mean, they both, both partners, because we are following two sets of partners throughout mm-hmm. this film. Obviously one partner on each team dies. Yes. You have Alberto who dies and Tanner who dies. Um, So they lose. Alberto,
0: the one with, who's established, has... Amar like he still has his marriage, still has his kids. Mm. He has all the things to lose whereas
1: Jeff Bridges has have. nothing to lose. Yep.
0: Just as you know, essentially uh it's sort of that sort of rotate because as as Ben Foster says, Chris Pine's character is the one to actually you know, you know, Toby is the one to lose everything mm. out of the two of them. Um and I think it's it's funny because uh, ben Foster's character, which, might I say, I watched a film with him, Leave No Trace, which had uh, oh, yeah. the chick from Jojo Rabbit in it, which I'm forgetting her oh, name. Oh, the teenage. The teenager one. Gotcha, yep. gotcha. Yeah, I forget. Um, and that was an excellent film. But, gee, I this film, talk about a star maker. Like, <laughs> his character is is charismatic and crazy and he's just this the biggest definition of a wild card in a film. And um, what
1: I love about him as a wild card, but just their dynamic, is they do sort of interchange in some parts. Because what you know gets them to sort of lose tracks and gives Jeff Bridges the 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 upper hand is yeah. you know Tanner's sporadic nature of oh you need a little more money for this, thing. I'm going to go rob this bank over here for you. So he's, you have that bit of craziness in protection of his brother, but then you have Toby a little tiny bit of dialogue snuck in there where it sounds like it was all Toby's idea. Where Tanner's the one who's been in prison for ten years, mm-hmm. but Toby's the one that's like, "Let's do the bank robberies," and we sort of learn the motivation. But it's like a little bit of dialogue snuck in well, there. Well, it's,
0: it's not just that you take like the scene where like they're at the gas station and those two Great, hard teenagers yeah. were uh, like trying to threaten Tanner, and he's and just Toby's the bite. one that beats
1: the shit out of him, and it's it's so <laughs> out of nowhere
0: too. You're just like, and that's de- I definitely think that's the first obvious moment to be like, well, they're more mirror images of each other than. Mm. um they, they the have surface. a brotherly relationship in the sense that one of them on the surface is more a spitfire than the other, but they both possess the same sort of ideologies. Mm. The ideologies that, you know, although Tanner went to prison for killing their dad, their abusive stepfather, I believe it is, um, they both agreed that that was what was needed to be done yeah. and told was too, too young yeah. at that point to make that decision. And I... So, there's definitely that love and respect, but the fact that they wait until the last interaction between Toby and Tanner for them to finally express how they feel towards one another, Mm. and it's one of the best, I think what moves me about that scene is it's not a, I love you with eye contact, it's an, I love you with looking away, which is something that almost brothers do, in the acceptance that there's a lot more going on, that you know that this is the last time they're going to see each other. Mm.
1: Because we're when we watch them do these acts, everything even like you know Tanner protecting him from that chick at the, the casino. Yes, which is like a love and like all the things that they do, which are violent and hostile and dangerous and reckless. We see that as love for each other, but they don't necessarily well, that's recognize sort of the brother that. that's
0: there. Yeah, the brother hindsight yeah, sort of thing. So, and that's it's the only way to do it is to you talk say, to each other. You say that one the, the one at the casino. You see that as him protecting him. I, I always see that as almost like the jealous brother cutting you off as the it little both. brother in my... Both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it is both because not a scene later is, is Chris Pine <laughs> in the same room as Tanner's having it's, sex with the receptionist at the front desk.
1: Right, yeah. So they're two different people, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you're right. The idea, I was like, come on, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: I think all those things need to be in there, and, and obviously, given Tanner's fate, I mean, he had a pretty sick last week. <laughs> like, he went out like a gangster. <laughs> uh,
1: best week of my life, man. That's yeah. a different quote. But yeah, it's yeah, it applies. And I think going back to that that last goodbye, because obviously, he knows his brother's going to die. You know, or he, it, I imagine he knows, or they know mm. what's going to happen. It's inevitable. That it, it is interesting that they can't obviously look at each other in the eye and say that it is a very brotherly. Is a bit of embarrassment of admitting feelings to each other. Before. Well, it's
0: it's claiming to be so hard, and then having mm. that moment of truly being soft, you know. Um, Them
1: cowboys can't be soft, in my eye. <laughs> and and that's
0: that's juxtaposed with uh, the final words of Marcus to Alberto, mm. where he tells him to run up the hill and tomahawk that motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> and then gets Ooh. his head blown off. I can't say in one he... of the most like
1: you knew mm. I I you knew come- was coming. Not but like... it was very quick. Yeah, it was like four minutes before you expected that. It's happened.
0: the same. It's the equivalent of Olson reaching for the demountable door, and the shotgun just blows her back
1: across like the. Oh, the ice I mean, that there. was really well done. Oh my god! But um, the shit be- out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Better than done in here, but like I said, it, there's like there's something about the the speed that it happens in, mm. and the way it's not like it cuts to a separate shot. Like it's all in this one shot. Of his last line, they run up. He gets shot in the head. Mm. Jeff Bridges turns around, and realizes like that's all in one shot, and it, the speed that it all happens in. I, I think everything makes about it Bridges' scene.
0: presentation in this film—the wheezing and the spluttering—and he mm. feels unfit and unwell. And even in that last scene, as as Foster is is running and gunning with his rifle, it doesn't feel The, the best part about this fight is it, much like in Wind River, it doesn't feel uh d- dramatized or cinematic right in, you know in wind river everyone just shoots each other in one fucking five second yeah. burst it's and, over like that exactly. and it's and you're just like what and and there's something about like the grounded realism that i i've really come to appreciate the fact that he has the he has the high ground and <laughs> but he uses it and he moves up the hill and he he's not you know, in a later conversation, we find out that five people were killed. So that big, mm. that big fight where, like, you know, they're like circling and like it only like you know, it's, it's five people has weight in this film. Whereas in other films, you know, five people would
1: just be like, you know, yeah, a, a lame body. So Tom count. Cruise kills that many people per minute. Yeah, in his films. Yeah, know? exactly. So, but, uh, and even when when he gets when he gets the upper hand on Tanner. Mm. It's not a question of like, oh, is he going to turn around and they're going to start sniping? It's like no, it's like well, he's dead. Yeah. Let's just wait until let's figure out what he does before he dies. Yeah. And, and even th- Jeff Bridges' reaction, like he's got that he's like, we fucking did, and he gives the high five. And, but it's, it's but am- then he's crying that's
0: exactly. It's that that's that perfect mixture when he when he gets up that hill and the cowboy goes, you're winded. I I, mm. I can take the shot. I'm fine. I'm fit. And he's like, not on your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is his shot partner, to take. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm saying at that moment, that's when it transitions from the duty of the man to the vendetta of mm, the individual. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's especially when,
1: after that, so. that's
0: actually ironically when the ideologies of pine and bridges are on the closest plane of, you know, similarity because yep. in that, that brief second, that quick second bridges comes to realize that now that, that man, who's a father, and a husband now is no longer here yeah. and had he not been five feet to the left, that could have been him and you mm. know his partner might have survived and you know that and the scene world re- would have been better for it sort of well thing. the scene doesn't really sink until the aftermath till the to to bridges just sitting at home doing fuck all and <laughs> it sort of has that that no country for old men sort of uh,
1: Still haven't seen breather, it, but that's that breather, where Breather,
0: went. Where the fallout, where it's like, yeah, you saw, so it's great you compared it to the Coens because it has that sort of situation where it's like, after everything's done, then there's nothing and people move on and people, like, lives, the world keeps revolving, mm. which is what it comes back to. You have to the, win this wo- Western, The world yeah. keeps revolving. This story doesn't finish with, you know, necessarily these characters. They're just characters in the world. The world just keeps moving. I mean,
1: it's the equivalent of, you look at Once Upon a Time in the West, which we did episode 40, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, but it's the equivalent of, like, after her family shot dead, the movie's descending there. It's like, no, this is 15 minutes in. She yeah. just moves on. And that is the West. You have to move on. You have to survive. Exactly. exactly. That's why I love that this film addresses it in such a modern way. Exactly, so, exactly.
0: Yeah. And I think that that, that moment is, is perfect when he takes the shot and he finally kills Tanner. It, like you said, that mixture of emotions of excitement, but absolute morbid loss because he didn't bring his partner back to life and i think scenes like that really sink in the fact that this is just an it's just an acting showcase for so Mm. many different actors because the writing complements each one of them perfectly yeah um you know each one of them has a scene in it which i can like remember you know you've got that and you're you've got ben foster in the casino where he goes don't chase me chief to the Native American. Oh
1: man! And it, what a great scene! And
0: it follows up to because that's the thing. It's the Lord of the Plains. It's mm. the Lord of the West sort of situation, but re-contemporary. and how the only people that are like quote Lord of the Plains are the are the people that you know sort of own the land now, mm. and everyone else is just occupants. Or, or and
1: that's this that's literally the plot of Once Upon I Time in yeah. the West <laughs> exactly. the,
0: as the land. So that's Um, I think. They are a really good pairing between mm. them. There's a really good comparison there, Jake. Just,
1: thank you. Just thank you. There's one other thing I want to talk about, which is not really about the film. It's just a weird observation I made that I talked to you about the other day, but I want to make on this podcast. Okay. Before we get into highlight scenes. So we talked a lot about Marcus and Tanner, their relationship as yes. sort of cops. Um, so for those who know me, they know that I wrote a season of TV in high school. So 2014, 2015. I actually had a weirdly similar relationship and pair of characters in Mm. that script where it it was an Australian take so you sort of had the older, more experienced ready-to-retire cop who was uh, of Aboriginal descent and then you had the sort of the white, younger hip uh, officer who wants to sort of... and it's a little different it's a little bit of a tweak on that dynamic but it's was sort of there and in terms of what happens, in terms of which character dies which character goes on to meet their sort of target at the end it all sort of aligns perfectly in terms of juxtaposition of oh he's the one that's going to retire but the other one ends up dying in the journey Mm. and how far did they go and where where does the line go between personal vendetta i just knocked my mic personal vendetta and um you're right lawful sort of the job you have to do Mm. and i just want to say if so if anyone notices i've created a tv show called evasion in the next 20 years i just spoiled it for you a little bit (laughs) because it's exactly the same as this movie um, but a weird, just so weirdly on point. Yeah, which was fun for me. I
0: but, I, yeah. I, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, you always gonna have those overlaps. I'm sure there's a film that we could pick out that's identical to Absolutely. Hello, High Water from 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like um, the real, like, I think everyone in this film has a character moment which defines them, and there is probably a plethora of highlight scenes that I could pick out. I think this film is one of, uh, of. I think I find this film, this is the other thing why, you know, we have talked a little bit about Wind River on this this episode, but why this one out of the quote, you know, the, the sort trilogy. of American trilogy, yep. um, why I enjoy this one the most. I think this one's probably the most digestible too. Um, I think definitely when you see yes, I think so. uh, Sicario too, when you get to see that, Jake, you'll you'll definitely agree because there's okay. some stuff in that you're a little bit like, oh. <laughs> um, I mean, they're all grounded in realism. I think, uh, Sicario is definitely the the largest scale out of the three, and also probably the most gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of it's the exchange, the border between, uh, you know, Mexico and and I think New Mexico. I'm not sure. The I mean, geography. that makes sense. Um, like it's that border between the two. Um, and sort of the relationship with the cartel. Um, it's definitely one that I've. I've rewatched the least, whereas this one I've watched the most because it just has, I think it's because it's such a tight, perfect narrative. Everything in there comes mm-hmm. back to the my Parasite thing. It's like I couldn't take anything out of this film. Everything needs to be in it. Yeah. If anything, put more in.
1: I would have I watched more <laughs> yeah, of I it. I would have loved the three-hour cut of this. Um, I watched a lot of free art films this week. Zeke. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going nuts. <laughs> um,
0: and I think uh, the ending, uh, you know, as as they finish their conversation and and you know, With basically, Toby bridges Marcus, Bridges yeah. comes to the realization that he holds Chris Pine's character personally responsible. He knows he did it. He mm-hmm. knows that Tanner, you know, Toby was the brains behind it, and Tanner even know. Funny enough. The, the decisions made majoratively in that final heist were predominantly Tanner's. Mm. Um what got them caught essentially. Well, it's it's actually a, a shift, I think. Mm. I think Tanner knew that the only there was a decision made early that morning, you know, following when they tried to break into the other place. Mm. He knew that there he knew that, that was gonna be his last day. And I think he always inevitably knew that. And I think that's sort of the the bait and switch that it, on the surface, it looks like Toby's the mastermind, but I think Tanner actually yeah. is pulling those sort of big brother strings the whole
1: time. It gives more context is when they wake up, you're right. It is a note of them waking up and he kind of jumps awake at his brother. And then they're doing the dishes, I think for a minute. Yeah. So it gives a bit of extra context knowing that that is his last day.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely, like, a thought. And, I mean, there's some really good things. Like, they're both drinking and, like, there's a really good sunset sunset silhouette shot Mm. where all they're doing is pushing each other. And it's, like, sort of that brotherly joust. That is raw brother out there. (laughs) Yeah, and, I mean, like, you have an older brother and I have an older brother. So Mm. there's definitely that connection uh, there where you sort of associate those things. You understand that no matter what, how you feel (laughs) about your your brother they're still your brother and you can't shake that yeah that sort of sibling tie um and i think uh in a lot of ways even from the opening scene where tanner goes back to the the family home for the first time to see the mother's literal deathbed mm. um and right cuz uh, that would be the first time he sees it and there's this moment where he He's tearing up but then snaps out of it. But you can almost tell in that that moment where he almost feels obliged to make up for lost time to he owes that sort of family. because he's a he's at that point we're laying down the scenario, the family uh the family farm's gonna fall apart, but they know that there's oil on it. So they know they're mm. sitting on a million dollar
1: millions but of dollars. It's gonna land. go to the generation after them. Yeah, and exactly. Decision yeah, that we'll and make. if
0: if they don't pay the mortgage off the house, then it's gonna go to the bank. Mm -hmm. as capital and uh, it almost feels in that moment there's a moment where they're both gazing out over the fence that there there's calculation in both their minds but they're both having different thoughts Mm. and i think uh, his actions where he sporadically robs that other bank and almost gets caught um is is sort of his way of impulsively playing to his character of impulsively acting but at the same time with good intention because mm. i think he wants to get to that goal as quick as possible so yeah he can do well, they're looking out service. for each other again, exactly yeah. exactly and i think uh that whole last day the way he decides to go to that other bank and he takes basically takes charge of that heist mm. up uh, to the point where he plays you know collector Room maintainer, you know, he's doing all of the things. He's tr- he's the so- driver. Sounds like
1: us trying to make a film, Zeke. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and he essentially carries Toby all through that. Um,
1: yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we never had, think- we never had to carry anyone before,
0: <laughs> and at least to one of the most badass like, like that's the other thing. See that that that's the other thing that this film touches on that I really like is you're in Texas and the American you know what say what you will you know we're two australians talking about the american identity but in texas a lot of people around they They have a lot of guns and a lot of people that have guns do want to be heroes but then it's dismissed within seconds and i mean we may not be americans but the guy who wrote this is american Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna trust the man who's (laughs) grown up and lived there and written about this um you know, it comes back to the bit where it's like, you know, Ben Foster just takes out two automatic weapons and just sprays it and everyone mm. just runs the other way.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because that leads... Are we ready to talk about our highlight scenes? Yes. I think it's weird for me because I didn't really have a highlight scene, but there were just okay. there were just moments throughout. I was like, I really love the concept or the moment behind this. One of those is that scene. Not that I want to claim the robbery because that, that's kind of the easy go-to. Oh, that robbery is my highlight scene. But what you talked about those the the American people the, the Texans mm. in that in that scene act the way they all want to be heroes and I love the fact that when, even when they get out they they just cap them in the head and they get out and what's waiting for them outside is a bunch of random people with guns ready to take them down don't you steal from my bank you know yeah I love that concept the fact that they just follow them for miles is just, I but love it, it that always, idea it always
0: it always comes back to it's not. They're not being uh, the enforcement of the establishment. They're just being the enforcements of them themselves. Mm. You know, they're not they're not trying to protect the bank. They're just trying to forge their own path, and it's sort of what's, you know, they're taking what's mine. Yeah. Sort of well, how
1: it. dare you come into my territory? Yeah. And take our money. So. Um, and
0: it, that's what it comes back to. It does feel like a frontier west in that mm-hmm. situation where the rules just don't apply anymore. Mm, absolutely. You know, uh, we take what we want and everyone's armed and everyone can shoot each other. It's that sort of lack of accountability that the Wild West did have. You know, people could shoot each other in a duel. That was a thing that happened, that people I could mean, just walk 10 feet and turn around.
1: Uh, this virus of ours, Zeke, it might turn into that again. Who knows? No, well,
0: <laughs> people parade in the streets. And uh, but uh,
1: another <laughs> concept I love that you brought up earlier was Marcus interacting with those other... Those guys in the diner. Yeah. Just like, hey, how's it going? Like, I just... I love those little moments. It's world Or his interaction
0: with the guy that takes yeah. him up the hill.
1: You know? Yeah, like, absolutely.
0: Uh, like, or, or, or the diner staff. Or even the first interaction with the chick that gets... Uh, the, the bank manager that gets knocked in the nose, you know? Um, I'm pretty
1: sure that's Wendy from Breaking Bad in that first scene. Looks exactly like her. Probably might be. Yeah. Potentially. I might check that, actually. Um,
0: but... You know, it's all, it's all those little interactions with the world. And each character has them. And they all serve either plot purpose or subtext purpose. Mm. But they don't feel like it's, hey, this is the plot point. He's just conducting an investigation.
1: It all makes sense, but it all serves these underlining ideas. That the yeah, film's I mean,
0: for. you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, you got Toby and uh, Tanner sitting in a diner talking and having, you know, very awkward, short conversations, we see a waitress come over to Toby and, uh, you know, be nice, borderline flirtatious towards him. But Mm. we don't think too much of it because, you know, he's a... And, you know, it comes back to little things. Like, you know, those cowboys are sitting in the background of that shot and then they take part seamlessly in the plot without you even realising. Or or the fact that the waitress is not this drop-dead gorgeous waitress she's, she's just a waitress she's a waitress That's really yeah um and i think no one in this this film was trying i mean you know you look at ben foster's character who is charismatic but honestly not attractive he's got a receding hairline he's balding and he's got a disgusting mutton chop <laughs> and a bit of a beer <laughs> belly and yeah, yet yeah, yeah. he sweet talks his way into the receptionist at the at the at the casino because it's sort of like
1: just his character. Maybe he is just a sexy dropjack gorgeous. Maybe, maybe
0: maybe people are into dad bods. Who knows? You never know. Um, I would say for me, my highlight scene is, it's got to be, um, I have t- two, that okay. yeah, I can think of, it. um, off the top of my head, and both center, more so around the. I love the dynamic between uh, Marcus and Alberto, and it's got to be that hotel scene. Oh, when they're uh, in bed. When well, one of is in bed. Yeah. <laughs> and then that leads into him you know running like walking around a very flat desolate morning scene in a blanket and i oh, it's I, a great so, visual yeah it's a great visual sort of quiet but it also shows his isolation and kind of forebodes his future mm. um without even realizing it um and sort of shows us that without alberto he's kind of nothing um and i really okay. like that's sort of, that that's the follow-up scene to him pissing off Alberto and mm. going, wanting to go to bed. And he's like, you've got your own broom, piss off. Like, <laughs> you're going to be a dick, then go away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I like that because it shows that their relationship is not just, oh, he's white and he's joshing his, uh, his heritage. Mm. And the guy with the heritage just sort of swallows it up to a certain point. Which sometimes I feel like Gomi does in Breaking Bad. A little bit too much, but I don't think Hank pushes it nearly as much as, yeah, exactly. as Jeff Bridges. Got. I mean, they
1: both play around. Where, I mean, Gomi shoots back with fat jokes, so, you know, there's, there's that. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely enough. Speaking yeah. of which, I was I was almost incorrect. Uh, it is not Wendy from Breaking Bad. It is actually um, Spooge's girlfriend from Breaking Bad, which for some reason I just lost. I had it on my phone. And now... Oh, there we go. Yeah, Skank. The one with the ATM.
0: I was going to say, yeah, she looks like some...
1: On yeah, if that's a meth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> I, I, this I mean, her face is clearly like done up in Breaking Bad. This but, yeah.
0: this film has uh, uh, some great set pieces, uh, and is a great exploration. It comes back to things I talked about with Coco earlier. It's looking into
1: a. <laughs> it's such a random comparison. Well, yeah. well, may wait until I make I'm... my point. <laughs> Jake. I just want to jump on you, (laughs) mate. But I can't because of Corona. (laughs) I mean,
0: uh, it's sort of that insight into culture. And I think Sheridan really covers it well, like taking these aspects of life that you and I would never experience. Mm. Um, And I'm not saying he's the only writer out there. I think that there are some really good Australian explorations that would be great cultural studies for people like American viewing audiences. Mm. But for us to watch an Australian film set in a desert, I've watched so many of them. Um, and even though I'm not from the desert, I'm aware of how sort of life in the outback It feels works. familiar, yeah. Exactly. Whereas this doesn't feel familiar to me. And I mean, up until, you know, uh, you know, under a year ago, I didn't have really any insight into the American identity mm. until, you know... Wait, the... So
1: w- when's the first time you watched this?
0: Oh, no, I watched this a few years ago. But like, oh, when okay. I, I'm saying that like, you know, having Sarah as that sort of bridge of the Americana...
1: Is she the main character for Hella High Water? No, but like it helps being like. <laughs> Just asking. What's it?
0: What's it like in you know? Families London from Texas. Well, no, they live in Texas. They're from California, but like they've got. A, she's got a bit more of a gist of idea. I mean, she would never watch a film like this. She'd fall
1: asleep. I'm <laughs> still holding her up for Ford versus Ferrari for that one. But, oh, that's funny. Um, There's some cowboys in Ford v Ferrari. <laughs>
0: um, I've, I've. Opinion on Ford v Ferrari, but we're not going to. We've talk we've it. already heard your opinions um, on that film. <laughs> so what about you,
1: scenes? No, I already. Well, that oh. just those moments. Uh, okay. Like the 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 Texans fighting back for the bank, and and Mark is interacting with those diner guys. Like just little moments like that, I really dig. That's well sort of built. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's where exactly. my mind goes to. when I Maybe maybe
0: scene. in future episodes because we're going to have a lot on our hands. Maybe we'll touch on Wind River and and potentially Sicario. I think
1: one of the uh, we look in the timelines. We have to look at benefits of. What's happening around the world. And one of them is, and to a good extent for this show, is there's not going to be a lot of new films coming out this year. Really? No. So uh, we're going to have a lot of opportunity throughout the year to dive even deeper into some of these classics because we've watched a lot of classics lately. Yeah, there's definitely
0: got to be more visits further back mm. in the timeline. Um, I have suggested to you off the podcast... Oh, some I know, of the- yeah. Potential idea ideas and approaches to that.
1: I mean, uh, this year is the perfect time to do it now, It probably isn't it? is
0: actually. Um, <laughs> be interesting to because uh, uh,
1: the only thing stopping us from putting this idea into the show was oh, but we need to make sure nothing comes out during that time. And it's confident to say nothing's going to come out during this yeah, time now. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's a potential
0: uh, avenue of visiting in the future. But right. um, like I said, High Water is currently out. Uh, in wide release. Um, DVD, Blu-ray, DVD, any Blu-ray. streaming services? I'm pretty sure it was on uh, Netflix at some point. But Possibly. I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix. I
1: might quickly check now. I mean, Netflix is the place to go these days, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Um, well, I'll quickly check on that. But, um, yeah. Let's see. Hell or Hi. I don't know how to spell. What a... No. Sicario is on Netflix, though. so That gives me a chance to look it up i got to watch Sorry. Prisons as well.
0: Um,
1: What's distracting
0: you, Zeke? What's troubling No, you? I was just trying to Google it at the same time as you. Ah. Um, but you are right. Like, in this current climate, uh, people uh, will be looking more to streaming sites. It's definitely yeah. going to uh, play a role in the films that we pick in the coming weeks. Mm, um, for sure. I've noticed that, a l- like, Netflix in the last month is there's been far more new stuff than there has Rolling been stuff, in yeah. probably the last year. Like, like I think all this stuff was scheduled to come, but I think they've pushed the schedule forward on a lot of it because yeah, there's I, no avenues. I mean, we talked about A Quiet Place earlier in the show. I'm still betting that A Quiet Place 2 is going to go straight to have I think
1: they've got a new date, though. I think they're pushed in November, so I don't think that's going to happen anymore.
0: Okay, well, that's a good. a shame. I honestly reckon, uh, you know, not to spitball it and be comparatively wrong, because if you look at our pre-records, we went from laughing about it so here we oh are now uh, all the films
1: coming to cinemas this week guys <laughs> yeah so we, we just don't have that segment right well know. we kind of do so usually we uh, for the stuff coming out oh in the yeah was week, this out on Netflix um, right now no Sicario is though okay so you can get Sicario on Netflix if you want it because I need to watch that too
0: yeah so but, buy it yeah. go to your local store or order it online yeah, it's probably yeah. on
1: Google Play or
0: YouTube or one of those iTunes and stuff as well yeah probably. they've all got yeah
1: it's there Go watch it. It's a good film. It's a great that film. That we just spoiled for everyone.
0: <laughs> we give the spoiler warning, though. Yeah, it's sure. No Don't worry. Right. So, Jake, what's new to streaming yeah, services? That is, that is
1: correct. So, I haven't done this in a few weeks because we had pre-records, but I was like, well, what happens if I go on Flix? What happens if I go on Hoyts and Luna and all these websites? Half of them are shut. They just, websites just don't work anymore. That's... Flix has, like, maybe two films in the next seven months coming out, according to Flix. Like, they've all just disappeared, which is scary. Um Luna just has a giant tag saying COVID-19. <laughs> so it's so a lot of so I had to go a little deeper Zeke and tell everyone what you can expect on streaming services. so I broke this down into See, three.
0: Jake goes above and beyond for this I podcast. Try. I try.
1: So, I know I'm risking my life right now. You are.
0: No, we're yeah. respecting social distancing. We ways. are. We are.
1: I miss you. I can't even I four of me with my arms. I still like, can't reach you. It right feels now.
0: like we're so far
1: apart. I know. Next week in the show, five feet apart. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, so this week in streaming, so we're going to have Netflix, Stan, and Disney+. Plus. So if you go on Stan, uh, you're going to get a few movies coming to coming back into circulation this week, such as The Door, Shirley Valentine, Gaspil at the Wedding, and Morning Glory. So if you like any of those films, they're coming to Stan this week. I watched Morning Glory a few years ago. Oh, well, there you go. Very nice. Did you like it? I don't remember disliking it. <laughs> but Harrison good, Ford always
0: looks high now.
1: Right, okay. <laughs> That's fair. Um, also coming to stand this week, which I'm very excited about, the season 5 finale to Better Call Saul. And uh, if you're following Better Call Saul with me, holy fuck, we're up to the Ozymandias days of Breaking Bad. They're back! And I'm very excited. I'm uh, glad. Hmm? I'm glad you're excited. Oh my god. I can't wait till it's over, because I'm not making you watch it now, because mm-hmm. we just have to wait a year. I'm not making you wait. You might as well just wait until it's all out, and I'll just give you the whole series on mm. Blu-ray. Uh, So if you go to Netflix, you have Extraction, which is a Chris Hemsworth film. It looks like a generic action film. Yay. I don't know. Uh, Afterlife Season 2, so that's that Ricky Gervais show, which I had very strong opinions on last year. I'll check Season 2 out. I'll see if it is any better.
0: Shout out to Ricky Gervais for the very funny comment that he made, uh, replying to all the celebrities complaining about staying at home. He wait was, what
1: what did he say he
0: basically said grow the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> um in I all agree. seriousness that man he likes it's funny because i've always you know he's a, he's definitely a celebrity he's mm-hmm. obviously financially well off but he's honestly one of the most grounded well-meaning celebrities out there he's like because if someone America. asked me if someone asked me <laughs> Name one celebrity that's actually closest to the everyman. It'd probably be Ricky Gervais. Mm, I can see that. You know, you know, he doesn't overspend his money. He really cares about animals. And he basically makes fun of everyone around him. And just, you know, like, you know, his Golden Globe's one where he's just like, don't... Mm-hmm. You- you're not going to fuck me,
1: Jen. I think that sure. stuff's, like, so situationally funny. Like, it's funny... Where are we standing? Who we speaking to mm. literally face to face? Yeah. But then I watch something like Afterlife. I'm like, man, this is just so. It's not... I don't want to call it terrible, but it's like. It's so distasteful in a lot of ways, and I get why. I get it. But yeah, it's so hard to. I'm talking get about rid- his media. I'm exactly, talking about the person. Yeah. Um, not so much the stuff that he creates. Yeah, and it's the invention like of lying. There have been so many
0: celebrities <laughs> that are just sitting there like, oh man, I have kids that I actually have to see now. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do. And <laughs> oh, it's like, Christ. really? Like, come on. It's going to be really awkward if we end up being like one of them and just being like, oh, kid, nanny,
1: get the nanny. Get the nanny. Like um Adam Sandler and, and grown ups, ironically grow up, yes. Um, all right. Also coming to Netflix is Riverdale season four. Yay, that's still going. Yeah, it was because uh, the- Whoa, that went past three seasons. <laughs> Who killed mid- Bryce Hawker? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully everyone again. Uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz, which is like an improv show. The Midnight Gospel season one, which is an animated show. And I wanted to read the logline for this to you Z because I thought it was interesting. So cooked with cannabis. I think it's like a series, mini series. Chefs compete to get the host and special guest high on elevated cannabis uh, cuisine. Are they doing
0: auditions with
1: their <laughs> with their artful use of uh, leafy herb, THC infusions, and CBD sauces? So that's coming to Netflix this week. So get on that. And finally, coming to Disney Plus this week, uh, X Men: Dark Phoenix uh, in Australia for the Australian Disney Plus. Mm. If you give a shit about that. And I forgot that the Star Wars Clone Wars is fast approaching its C- series finale. Yeah, I haven't watched.
0: I've deliberately avoided. It's the same with Westworld. I'm waiting to, oh, okay. to be done.
1: But... I think it's like two weeks away. So that's um, been up to date. But from what I've heard... Uh, whew, oh, uh, really?
0: Yeah, I actually, I actually thought about this because I said to you before the show started that I've been playing mm. a lot of games from my early teen years rather than mm. uh, new games, even though I have new games on my shelf. Um, and I think it's because I already know you know for viewer knowledge i'm playing mass Effect, so it's like and i know we don't i don't Getting like talking about uh games on the show because i played a lot show. of games this month. yeah i mean it's, it's <laughs> just sort of the time so it's kind of more appropriate now than what it was back when we could actually go to the movies um <laughs> but um i think actually honestly post uh this is this does come back to movies Post Rise of Skywalker, I was so fucking fed up with Star Wars Right. that when Clone Wars came out, I think it the started the, the last season, season seven, a month, less than a month after we went yeah, saw, that sounds saw right. uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker, I was like, I'm sorry, I love this show and I'm not in the right place. It's the same reason why I haven't played the new Star Wars game. It's been sitting on my shelf. I got it from like, you know, uh, you know, like la- late last year. And it just and I've been told it's really good, but I've Star Wars fatigue. I don't want to go near Star Wars right now because thanks Disney. Fucking movie (laughs) is like, and it's it's listen to our
1: thoughts in episode forty (laughs) nine. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so do that if you will. But I am that show is definitely probably if we're talking about just uh, cinematic or media related stuff. That's probably my favorite part of Star Wars is the Clone Wars show. So, um,
1: well, hopefully it holds up. That you... I
0: watched the first episode and that was it, and it was okay. really good. Okay, that's um, good. That's so exciting. it was like I was like, oh yes, but there are certain things that have frustrated me between even the two shows, like bringing characters over. Um, I've I should do a whole Star Wars discussion oh show, like a I point just, five. Episode. Just bring Liam on it and then oh, not Jesus. talk for the whole. <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> But none of those are what we're watching next week on the show. But,
1: Jake... There is one more thing coming to Disney+. What are we watching, then? We're going to have to watch that, because there's nothing else to watch, is there, Zeke? Next week on Disney+, and we're watching Onward. In times of old, the world was full of wonder
2: and magic.
0: But times change. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me.
1: That's okay. I
0: have a gift
1: from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16.
0: <gasps> no way! It's a
1: wizard, staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant.
0: This spell brings him back! For one whole day, Dad will be back! What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible! It is with this! I'm gonna meet Dad? It's
2: getting harder to hold!
1: Teenage elf brothers Ian and Barley, played by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt respectively, embark on a magical quest to spend one more day with their late father.
0: Like any good adventure, their journey is filled with cryptic maps, impossible obstacles, and unimaginable discoveries. Ooh. This is the latest Pixar film, and we were talking about Pixar films earlier in the show, so this is kind of cool. Yeah, we...
1: we had to, to bite my ton on one of those. This is also
0: the first animation I think we've done as a episode. Episodic. Oh, well, we did Toy Story 4. We did do. Man, we got to really branch out from Pixar, man.
1: Nah.
0: <laughs> I wish we had done it. I Lost My Body, to be honest. Like...
1: Oh, my God. We can do that one, day. We yeah. got to. But yeah. what I like is that um, what I want to do... Ne- I teased a little early in the show. What I want to do next week for me personally is I only want to watch films that came out in 2020 or, like, brand-new films. Because I feel like this show this year, we're going to see a lot of weeks where there aren- there is nothing new to talk about. Exactly. So I think next week I'm going to try and catch a bunch of stuff like um, Queen and Slim, uh, The Guns of Kimbo, like, all this stuff that is out now in digital including this film, if you want want to watch Onward right now, Mm -hmm. you can go and rent it or buy it digitally because yours truly may have already done that and may have already seen Onward. Whoa. But it does come to Disney Plus, so if you have that service next week, you can just wait a few more days. It will come to that. And uh, there you go, Zeke. Then you can watch it, and we'll talk about it next week on the show. No worries. Well, once again, thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show podcast. I was
0: Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with Onwards.
1: We're still alive.